Today, we continue with our decade series. We investigate an all new era. It, it is an era that is so great. Yes, 1988. That's the year that we are going to visit. We're going to examine the comic books, the movies, the TV, and the music of an incredible year. What was selling in comic books? The characters, the familiar characters, the new names, the new storylines that were emerging that were that were shaking up the comic book market, the music, the films, the TV, so much comedy, laughs, we're, we're, we're at a premium in 1988. So, so this is what we're going to check out. You got to have faith on an all-new episode of Observations. Welcome to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. We talk comic books, superheroes, the explosion of both across all the platforms, the streaming platform, the, 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 the movie house. Your basically your iPhone, where 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 you young kids are watching all this stuff. The the video game platform, the toy shelves, comic books and superheroes. The passion of my youth, the focus of my entire career. Uh, you know, hired in 1986, and 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 never look back. This this is what I do is is make the comic books, make the superheroes, and and uh, I I have never looked back, not even once. And this podcast was born of my passion to talk about comic books and superheroes and the absolute explosion uh, across the culture these last two decades, going on three decades as they just become bigger and uh, and, and more dominant. Uh, 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 just again, uh, with every studio, with every uh, network, with, with the, the streaming giants, Amazon has superheroes, AMC, uh, Max, Disney, you know, everybody has something that they are they are putting out there uh, because it is now just like the Western. It's an entire category of entertainment. We have a series that we do called The Decades, where we look back at a specific era, a specific year generally, and analyze the music, the television, the films, and of course the comic books of that specific period. And today we have landed on a very interesting year. It's it's uh it's a pretty pretty good year. Uh, g- really good for certain for for uh for it's it's certainly a great year to be funny in 1988 is you're going to see that that television and and movies really traded on comedy for comic books you're going to see how some things never change and and uh, and and literally how how some things just stay the same over time you're going to get some really familiar vibes when we do the deep dive into the comic books and then of course music which is so much fun and uh and one of the things about the show that I have um really committed to and and it wasn't it didn't it, it didn't start out this way but but by recounting going back all the way to to 1974 and pulling those comic books off the spinner rack and sharing my experiences with you I have brought with you interviews I've I've brought with you memos from when I worked at Marvel Image Comics between creators conversations I've peeled the curtains back several times and 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 the one thing that comic books really doesn't have that so much of other entertainment has is that we can go and we can access interviews, video files, basically footage, what we call nowadays the receipts, 
the receipts I see. I see like a, a talk show, like a like a Stephen A. Smith or a, a Skip Bayless. We bring the receipts. Well, this show is always really doubled down on bringing the receipts by by giving you the dates, the times, and uh, what what comics doesn't have when in in, in other medium when we want to see that old interview, whether it's news footage with a president, with a with a governor, with a senator, with with a with a serial killer footage of a serial killer, Charles Manson. We have. We have we have footage of the trial of the arrest of, of so much of what was going on at that time with sports figures with with movie stars you know whatever talk show they were they were doing at the time to promote their film and 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 and, and cameras were always rolling except on the comic book industry where we had a just very little interest in documenting what we did uh, on film you know with photos and so really all we have left is is some of these uh, interviews. And these magazines that I have never disposed of, that I have carried with me from the 70s, from the very early 80s, and given you direct access, because those are those are hard to get. Those are extremely hard to get. I've now, in the last several years, tried to go on a binge when I am at a giant show and see who is carrying the, the comic book news magazines of the day. And, and they are just harder to get than, than many of the most popular comics. It, m- m- most of the key issues that you want, you're going to find in greater numbers than you can find old copies of the comics and uh, comics interview magazine, comics journal, amazing heroes. Uh, some of the stuff where these long form interviews took place, and you can really get a snapshot of of, of that time and that place. And today, uh, we are going to go deep into 1988, 35 years ago, with so many receipts because. Uh, retailers were asked to write these very specific reports and it's going to give you a snapshot in time of what that looked like even though we don't have footage we don't have a ton a dearth of 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 you know of of recorded actions of these things but we have these incredible magazines that took down detail after detail after detail and and, and it gives you again a a a broader picture so that someone's not just making it up because people tend to honestly they just keep tending to make it up and and for instance this is outside of comic books but this is another reason to point me towards this time and place uh if you are aware of sammy hagar is maybe prior to his time with van halen or after when he was back being a solo artist but the uh the, the kids of the 80s know you know the i can't drive 55 sammy hagar and the stuff that was before that when he was uh attempting to have his uh his his solo rock and roll career blow up well on Facebook the other day, I, I came across, uh, you know, Sammy Hagar quote from him, and that's the link bait that, that got me to the actual interview where he did actually say the headline that got me to click in the first place. And it, it was like David Lee Roth, the former lead singer, frontman to Van Halen prior to Sammy joining the group, says he, David Lee Roth, hasn't come to terms that we were more that, that the Van Hagar era, which is what fans immediately dubbed it when when Sammy Hagar uh, j- j- jumped on board and Eddie Van Halen tapped him to now be you know lead vocals. Uh, we immediately jumped on Van Hagar. Van Hagar. I, it, it, I was literally 17 years old. It was the fall uh, of of when I had just graduated high school, and and they they had made the changeover. David, you know. Uh, left it was kind of an ugly split and then they immediately tapped sammy hagar van hagar was born and and in this interview sammy hagar who i love i follow him on social media think he's the coolest i've always loved his music and and really do think he made some kick-ass kick-ass albums and 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 music with van 
Van Halen, uh, he said, David Lee Roth hasn't come to terms with the fact that we were more successful than him. And I was like, is that, is that true? Is that, I, I don't think that's true because I was there for the birth of Van Halen. It was like uh, they were happening in Southern California. They were an LA-based act. So in the clubs and, and, and uh, just in the surrounding you know, Orange County, Southern California, Los Angeles area, they were a big deal. And you're like, life, well, well, you weren't going to see them at 12. No, but my sister, who is seven years older than me, as I have, I have uh, kind of tried to hit that so often, well, was kind of my guru to pop culture because she had all the cool music. My sister was a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a rebel. And I benefited from her, you know, the pastor's daughter being the rock and roll goddess. And so I was familiar with their very first album on and again like i said you got into my sister's car and there were eight tracks there were these things called eight track cassettes it was a thing uh in in cars and 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 just you know to play your music in 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 home stereos at the time too the eight track cassette pretty cool way to to carry the music it was it, it, they're now like collectibles like old video game cassettes but uh whether it was led zeppelin uh aerosmith acdc uh again the eagles fleetwood mac and of course, Van Halen. And then the 1984 album with Jump and Hot for Teacher in Panama. I was pretty sure that that was the most successful among the most successful uh, of, of, of any Van Halen release because I was there by that time. I'm a junior in high school for Panama. And if you don't think that every high school across the United States of America was blasting the 1984 uh, Van Halen album. You're kidding yourself. You go back in time, that was getting all the airplay so commercial. So I'm sitting there going, wait, Sammy Hagar is saying that that David Lee Roth can't come to grips with the fact that they were more successful. And I did in my mind kind of call bullshit. And, 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 and so I went in and I investigated it. And because Van Halen has an album in 1988, okay, it makes it even more, even more, uh, applicable to today's discussion of 1988 and we're going to kick that off again thank you sammy hagar for, for pulling focus on on this incredible era i was already doing it but it was just like it was an omen and a sign in a sign because i'm like wait sammy i'm i'm not sure this claim has merit but you know we can go and we can look look into that and, and let me, i'm gonna tell you there's a couple things today that you're gonna get from these comic book marker reports they're gonna cast uh, cast a light on the fact that you know some of the stuff you hear, uh, some of the stuff people post to me directly is just complete and utter nonsense. People just want to rewrite history. And again, because we can't access recorded footage, what I have tried to do is make the Rob Observations podcast a place where you can get those facts and you can get those figures. And they're not from me. You're going to hear from, if I read every single one, 50 retail reports. And this comes to you. So we're going to kick off our 1988 decades era. We've never done 88. What, an, what a very interesting year across the culture in movies, music, television, and comic books. And we're going to kick it off. This is Overstreet, Overstreet, Overstreet's price update. They had a magazine. They would later rebrand this fan magazine. But Overstreet's price update number seven. It has uh, Punisher and Wolverine on the cover. And it very much looks uh, to be drawn. There's, I, I am not seeing uh, a signature pop out of me. It is, uh, looks to be drawn by Kevin Nolan, who is a really big deal at this time, was doing some incredible covers, interiors, Outsiders Annual. But anyway, Overstreet 
Overstreet, which had the price guide once a year, they went to a magazine format. And this is issue number seven. This is September, September of 1988. It's got Wolverine and Punisher on it. There is uh, 22 pages of retail reports in here and 50 comic book retailers. Because again, whether it was this or comic book collector or uh, um, comic book uh, comic book values monthly was another one where they asked retailers to bring in like tell us what's hot what's not this is called what's hot what's not all the way down the side banner of each and every page and you're going to hear from florida from arizona from texas from georgia how comic books were doing what was hot what was not and you're going to actually again see there is a through line that some things never change and uh this first report from keith conter Contarino in Mar- Marietta, Georgia, is literally just about the back issue market. He just wants to tell you because people were wanting to know what was going on, and and I'm going to tell you there's there's some books you're going to you're going to hear uh, that that were hot. You hear these pages turning here, you're, the books that you were, you're going to hear that were super hot in in 1988, and you're going to be like, hey, those books are still in demand way more so now now in 2023. Uh, Bob. Nast- Bob Nastasi, N-A-S-T-A-S-I. He had amazing comics in Sayville, New York. In Sayville, New York. He writes his uh his market report, he says, as long as I have been involved in this hobby, and that is more years than I care to remember, he writes. It never ceases to amaze me. The market change market changes can and do happen over a short period of time, even in the span of just one month. What were movers and shakers six months ago are now today's, what were slow, excuse me, what were slow movers and shakers six months ago are now today's hot sellers. Most of this activity is recent Marvel comic books. He said, comics like Iron Man, Daredevil, Hulk, Captain America have all become hot sellers. He says, changes in storylines and characters themselves have brought about increased demand for recent issues of these once slow movers. Good for Marvel. They needed the shot in the arm. He said, Amazing Spider-Man is now extremely hot due to the Todd McFarlane issues. He says, The X-Men books, of course, always sell well. Steady back-issue sales uh, have picked up for two Spider-Man titles. Web of Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, West Coast Avengers, Punisher, Silver Surfer. He says, The G.I. Joe series... uh, Th- th- those sales have picked up. He says the back issue market is dying, except for many more recent back issues. He said Transformers is dead, as is Marvel's new universe title. Okay, so again, he goes out of your out of his way to single out that Todd McFarlane. This is early on in his Spider Man career that he is starting to really give that book some traction. He 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 again, you know, is it spends a lot of time early on here with Marvel. He drops down and says. Marvel's fall project, Inferno, promises to be a strong seller. This is September of 1988, so we are literally 30, uh, is it 35? We are 35 years in the past as of this, as of this remark, remark report. September 1988, or we are in September 2023 as we are reading this. He says, uh, Marvel's fall project, Inferno, promises to be a, a strong seller. Most Marvel collectors are going to be getting all the crossovers as it seems now that just everyone in the Marvel universe is a mutant. 
including the editors. Marvel has regained its position as number one in market share in my store. He says, over in that other company. Check this out. Have you heard this before? Batman's been putting holes in the rack. That means those, those books are selling out, kids. Uh, a Death in the Family, Batman, A Death in the Family, has sold extremely well. And Batman, The Cult, what can I say? Great story, great package, and the collectors have loved it. So in following Batman uh, Dark Knight by Frank Miller in 1986, DC immediately started releasing multiple times a year these what we call, they called them perfect bound because they were glued and they were generally in the 45 to 50 page range, but they didn't have staples. So they were like little mini comic book graphic novels. And DC immediately put a bunch of those into the market and Batman the cult uh, with Bernie Wrightson on art I believe it's Jim Starlin on story was was one of those that followed Dark Knight that was that was absolutely burning up the charts Death in the Family is when they advertised that they would be killing Robin and giving you a phone number with which to call and and, and vote uh, I've always thought come on were you really never ever come on given that they didn't give us access to all of that numbers and 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 in real time data I just always assumed Robin was dying. There was no way there was going to be a stay. It w- he was dying no matter what the phones, okay? Uh, and I also believe we're pretty morbid people. So if you give us an option to kill or to save, people are going to go for that kill. But he says, again, the cult, great story, great package. Collectors love it. All Batman titles. Bob Nastasi from Amazing Comics writes, all Batman titles are selling well. And this is going to continue through 1989 and the film release, okay? So we are literally looking at a, a very tight window, maybe 10 months until the movie comes out. The buzz has been there. Uh, one of these guys talks about Jack Nicholson being cast as the Joker. So Batman is a buzzing. Uh, he says, as far as DC comics, most back issues from DC are slow sellers. The post-crisis books are being sought out. Uh, he says, I am talking of the most recent back issues. Nothing has changed here. He says, uh, on to the new DC books. Strong sellers are Flash, Green Arrow, Wonder Woman. He says, uh, John Byrne has left the Superman books, and guess what? They're just as good. He said, a surprise for DC includes the Hawk and Dove miniseries. Hey, I see myself in this report. Uh, that, that, that's, good to hear. that's good to hear. Uh, Hawk and Dove get some good notices throughout here. Uh, Todd McFarlane was going to draw, he, he did draw, a, he was going to draw the entire uh, crossover for DC Comics. It was called Invasion. And so this guy goes, with McFarlane on Invasion, it looks to be a blockbuster for DC Comics. So uh, this is a, p- a period in 1988 where uh, from, from about 86, following the Turtles, uh, it, it, but it really picked up in 86 with these just dearth because the Turtles inspired a bunch of people to do these little black and white independent magazines. And it, that's where you get your radioactive hamsters, that's where you get a lot of these that, that people thought that the, everything was going to be the next turtles. So they bought and bought and bought, but, but then it crashed. And there's another marker report that we're going to get into in the next episode because we're splitting in, we're splitting this comic books, uh, the comic book sequencing up so that we get two bites of the apple in each episode to give a full, uh, you know, full view of what was going on. And another report that I'm going to read to you talks about, this is the post-independent crash. And this guy says right here, nothing has changed as far as independent comics are concerned. There are no hot number one independent comics anymore. The collector speculator has left. They have, they're gone and they are done buying them. So uh, 
you know, the, 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 this is this this uh, this fallout was felt across the board. But at this time, this wasn't like the image explosion, the valiant explosion. Maybe it was like the precursor. But but this in this was was a quality publisher. Dark Horse was absolutely born during this time, and he mentions that their title Concrete is doing well. Uh, Love and Rockets from Fanographics. Uh, among, among others and then Cerebus which was a long running title he says continues to go do, to do well he says the only hot selling independent is the turtles it is uh selling like hotcakes again and this is when the cartoon had come out so the cartoon was definitely flashing new light so that is from Bob uh Nastasi in a, at amazing comics this is uh a guy named Deland and it just says oh sorry this is Cliff's books sorry They split the report up. The title's on the other page. Cliff's Books. Deland, Florida. Cliff's Books. He writes, what a summer. Fast, furious, and now it's over. Uh, The big publishers have given it their all in the last three months, flooding the market with great items and a couple of stinkers. He says, even the little publishers are coming up with a few surprises. Let's get to this. DC Comics. This is the year of the bat, even though Batman's anniversary is next year. Batman the Cult has sold very well, and we are waiting for the final issue. Once again, the momentum was there, uh, but where is that climax? The regular Batman titles are steady sellers as well. Checkmate, New Guardians, Green Arrow, Legion of Superheroes, Flash. He says, ultra hot for DC Comics (laughs) Uh, is the Hawk and Dove miniseries. Hey, it's, it's so nice to bask in the glow of 35 years ago. And, 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 and really, this is when my, my career was taking off. Um, he says, uh, I, so, so, so yes, uh, Ultra Hot for DC Comics is the Hawk and Dove miniseries. He says, what about Superman, you might ask? Well, Superman is still plugging along. He said there was a slight decline when Byrne left the book, but those steady readers kept with it. He said, uh, what, what is problematic for him? And he says, and speaking of the dumpster, Action Comics Weekly has ended up in the dumpster and is probably going to stay there until the powers that be figure out that Superman should be the featured character and it should be returned to a monthly status. Now, check this out. Marvel and DC both went to the the, the weekly and bi-weekly model during this time. Marvel did Marvel Comics Presents, which always had an X-Men or a mutant character at the forefront of each and every story. They did that bi-weekly. Action Comics went weekly with a uh, 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 rotating, uh, you know, rotating uh, feature of, of of stories and characters. Whether it was Black Hawk, w- whether it was um, Superman, would pop in every once in a while. Uh, but they had different. Uh, they shined the light on different uh, characters in, an, in in like an anthology format, like Marvel Comics presents. But they gave it to you weekly. So uh, he then says, Marvel the summer. Uh, Blitz did great for the House of Ideas. The bi-weekly schedule for the X-Men and Spider-Man uh, worked wonders. He says the other bi-weekly title Marvel Comics Presents is doing fine. And then he says Excalibur and Wolverine have blasted into the Wolverine into the, into the limelight. Have blasted into the limelight. I, I skipped ahead to say Wolverine had launched his own solo title coming out of Marvel Comics Presents. And Marvel uh, finally gave Wolverine his solo monthly title during this time. And Excalibur, you're going to hear a lot about Excalibur. Excalibur had jumped and and had jumped New Mutants and was jumping X-Factor to become the second or third most popular X-Men 
book in most of the stores across, you know, the greater Northern America, Northern America, because I mean, it is on all of these lists and you're going to hear it again and again and again. Punisher is a steady seller, it says, along with Cloak and Dagger, Thor, all these others. And so, uh, so th- that, that is, uh, that is, uh, Mr. 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 Cliff's comics in Deland, Florida. That, that's, that's his repeat. That's his reporting. We go down uh, to Dennis Barrand, and he had Golden Age collectibles in Seattle, Washington. He says, 1988 has been a year of major changes in the comic book industry, many of which will have a profound impact on the comic book market in the months to come. As Again, you give these retailers an opportunity to share. I say this all the time on the show. Like The fact that you guys turn in reviews of the show, you type out a review, is so uh, beneficiary, beneficial. Uh, I am the beneficiary of that, and I'm so appreciative. But I mean, these retailers, they're doing the same thing, weighing in with this Overstreet uh, magazine, telling you exactly what's going on. And and I mean, this this is a long report. I'm going to skim it. He says, uh, as noted in our last market report, the most significant of these changes is the increase of cover prices on almost every comic book. The price increases have forced comic buyers to cut back on their spending. he says there has been no reduction in overall sales because the price increase has offset our losses. Uh, so I mean, again, th- th- this is the, this, the, you hear about pricing of comic books today. You were hearing about it in 1988. He says the average independent is a dollar seventy-five to a dollar ninety-five. This is too expensive for many consumers, especially when the average cost of Marvel and DC comics is a dollar. So he says, ironically, it's not just the overall price increase to the market report, which is forcing people to cut back on their number of independent comics that they purchase, but the price increase on the independent comics themselves. He says this trend could cause problems for indies going forward. Okay. Uh, he says, speaking of the, the, again, 1988 is when suddenly weekly and bi-weekly comics, we did a dedicated podcast to when Marvel figured out that instead of putting out a bunch of spinoff books, what they really found was doubling the circulation on the X-Men series was going to make them uh, the, the best, the, get them the best results, make them the most money, provide the best sales. You know, instead of doing another, you know, Iceman miniseries or Beast and Iceman or spinning off, you know, any of the number, uh, any any of the different X Men, even Wolverine, they were they realized we can go biweekly twice a month, double our circulation, and literally X Men sales went up during this time because what's better than getting something you like is getting something you like more. And Amazing Spider-Man did the same thing. They started doing the same thing. And, and then Marvel Comics Presents is bi-weekly. And then Action Comics was either weekly or bi-weekly. And, and so, so this is the age. This is the year that all of this was happening. So he addresses immediately, although weekly and bi-weekly comics are nothing new in the comic book industry, this is the first year DC and Marvel have attempted to produce weekly and bi-weekly comics on a regular basis. The results of the new venture are mixed. X-Men. Spider-Man are selling extremely well during their summer scheduled bi-weekly comic status. These comics did well as a result of their popularity and because they were due, I'm, I'm sorry, because they were able to continue with the same stories that they had started. <clears throat> he says, no, uh, he goes, there were no filler issues because again, the, these, these bi-weekly uh, stories were like every chapter was important in an ongoing saga. Like this guy was, like this guy says, no kind of pause and do a fill-in uh, that, that doesn't relate because that always just screeches all of the momentum. Uh, he says, uh, however, comics, which featured eight to 10 page installments, 
of different stories such as Action Comics Weekly and Marvel Comics Presents are not as successful. People found it more confusing trying to keep up with the installment comics and more expensive. Thus, weekly and bi-weekly comics appear to work best when they focus on one extended storyline. Uh, he says, another substantial development this year is a change in the schedule of large-scale comic book projects. Traditionally, summer is the time of year when DC and Marvel release their big comic book events. But crossovers like Mutant Massacre and Millennium, uh, while autumn is the time when interest in many comics begins to calm, this year, both companies have their big comic events, Inferno and Invasion, as autumn comic book releases. So he, you know, and honestly, that's what Marvel and DC were thinking. Like, while your comic book spending starts going down, we're going to turn the attention up and give you stuff in a slow period that, that, that is meant to, to increase your demand. This guy goes down to single issues, and he says, for the 10th year, for the 10th year in a row, he says, the X-Men continues to command current and back issue sales. He says, new issues consistently sell out, and the Inferno crossovers are selling better than anything we expected. Back issues on X-Men comics continue to sell extremely well, specifically early issues of the original X-Men. He says Excalibur follows close behind the X-Men as Marvel's second most successful title now. Sales on this comic are high, and there is a strong back-issue demand for December's Excalibur special. Also, many people are searching, searching out back-issues of Marvel Team-Up 65-66, the early appearances of Captain Britain, who was the uh, focal point, the, the, the lead character of the Excalibur series. He then drops down and says... Although X-Men related sales are very successful, there is one title uh, that is selling a little slower than all the rest. Wolverine. Yes, you heard me right. Wolverine. Sales on the new Wolverine series, as well as Marvel Comics Presents, have been good, but lower than we expected. Many Wolverine and X-Men fans have been disappointed with the art on both of these comics. You're going to hear people talk about the art. You've already heard them talk about Todd McFarlane. You're, you, you heard them talk about the art that they like the art on Batman the Cult. That's Bernie Wrightson, a legend. Okay, this guy is now saying, and I remember as a fan too, while I thought it was great to give John Buscema uh, the, the, the Wolverine comic, it played more like Conan because he was out of his costume a lot and he was fighting just kind of street clothes level nemesis, especially in the Marvel Comics Presents and then uh, beyond in the original launch of the series. And then, in, in, and then Marvel Comics Presents immediately pivoted away from Wolverine stories and started giving you Colossus and Cyclops stories. And I always wondered how those did, and I'm finding out now that, that, that especially the non-Wolverine stuff was, was slow. So they were disappointed with the artwork on these comics, he says. Uh, so then he, then, he, then he jumps down and he says, the Punisher is still on target uh, in both new and back issues. Punisher War Journal has sold very well. Punisher War Journal was a breakout comic book for Jim Lee. He was working over Carl Potts layouts, story and layouts, uh, the same way that I provided layouts for Mike Mignola on X-Force 8. You, you basically lay out the page and then hand it, and then what Jim was doing, because Carl Potts wanted to control the storytelling on the book, and eventually Jim would shed this and say, hey, look, I'm, I've, I've, I've got this under my belt now. I, I understand uh, what, what is expected of me, and I think I can exceed even the layouts that you're giving me. Punisher War Journal was a breakout book. Jim was penciling and inking it when it launched. And it certainly was the Punisher book that I favored at the time. And so Punisher War Journal is what really kind of uh, got Jim Lee on the fan radar. And he says, Punisher War Journal has sold very well. 
And issue four featuring a Punisher Wolverine team up looks to be a big seller. So they are very much anticipating that. Uh, it says Todd McFarlane remains one of the most popular new artists, new talents in comics. Sales on current issues of Spider Man have increased considerably since he took over art on the title. Again, you're hearing art. He says, uh, he goes back down and he says, uh, that, that some of these other Marvel books are, are slow. He says, well, these other books are successful. Um, he said, he says, the real hit, the real hits, he says, uh, are coming from DC. He goes, one name says it all for DC, Batman. There is just no end to an ever-increasing interest in the Cape Crusader. The first two installments of Death in the Family have sold out within a week of their arrival. Although sales on Batman the Cult 2 and 3 have begun to level off, there's an incredible back-issue demand for copies of Batman the Cult number 1. Almost all back-issues of Batman before issue 250 are becoming harder and harder to find as attention has turned towards those comics. Trade paperbacks of Dark Knight Returns are extremely popular and back issues of the original four issues by Frank Miller are in high demand. Without a doubt, The Killing Joke is the, selling, is the single best-selling comic for us of 1988. Alan Moore and Brian Boland did he dedicate it again. Batman, square bound, perfect bound, glue, uh, no, 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 no staples, uh, call, uh, featuring the Joker and Batman called The Killing Joke. He says second printings of this comic have sold very well and back issues of the first printings are very high in demand. These guys love, again, to talk about, um, you know, uh, they love to talk about what's hot, what's not, and, 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 they're, and they're giving you like real-time values. So he says, uh, uh, the second best series of the year for DC Comics is Hawk and Dove. Can't make this up, people. This is 1988. It's page six of issue seven of Overstreet's. He says, each issue of this five-issue miniseries has sold out. The story's intriguing, and it's a lot of fun. Rob Liefeld, name-checked here. Rob Liefeld's art on this issue is fantastic. Watch out for him. This guy is going to be the next Art Adams. The only real problem with Hawk and Dove is that it's a miniseries. Hopefully, DC Comics will realize they have a really good comic with a lot of potential and make this comic book a regular title. So this is Dennis Bayrend. From Seattle, Washington. I have never appeared at his, at his store. I do not know Dennis. I have never been in Golden Age collectibles. Uh, so, so we go down and we say we 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 keep skipping ahead. We're going to skip ahead past a couple of these guys. Just want to talk about back issues. I mean, it's their, their it's their right. You sell one back issue for big bucks. It it it's more than a month's worth of comics. Okay. Uh, he says. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, I did, I did not expect. So this is Wayne Williams of Aardvark Comics and Collectibles. He says, let's get to what's hot. Still selling well at $7.50 is The Killing Joke, the Batman Joker masterpiece by Alan Moore. The second print hasn't really moved yet, but we weren't expecting it to. After all, it's a reprint. I am hearing that word, the R word, way too often. Batman is increasing its sales due to the current Robin death in the family storyline. We are selling beyond normal amounts. The telephone gimmick worked. Need I say anything about the cult? DC cannot seem to do anything wrong when where Batman is concerned. He then says, Growing hotter 
is the Hawk and Dove miniseries. The first issue wasn't hot. In fact, it was an okay seller. Then the second issue hit the shop and it was gone in an instant. The third issue has sold out for us three times. Hey, hey, hey. Is it good to be in 1988? I think it is. I think it is. I'm enjoying these micro reports. Uh, so, uh, so, so good nods for Hawk and Dove blowing out. He says, uh, Green Arrow is selling better. Wonder Woman and Legion are remaining steady. Uh, he says, in the Marvel corner, big winners are Wolverine number one, Punisher War Journal number one. He says, uh, the winner and still champion in the world of comic books, current and back issues remains the X-Men. We are having problems keeping up with demand for X-Men comic books. I bought twice a month. I thought twice a month would slow them down, but they are only growing more interested in the X-Men. So again, what are you hearing? You're hearing Batman. You're hearing X-Men. These are the constants. And, and you're hearing McFarlane uh, in a lot of these different, in these different market reports. Uh, Kevin Martin. It just says Kevin Martin. He doesn't list his store. Kevin Martin, Mark Report. He says, moving into the fall and out of the summer has shown no end to the interest in both recent and silver uh, recent and silver age back issues, as well as the quality items being released by the comic book publishers. It, it will come as no surprise that the leader of the hot back issues is Amazing Spider-Man 129 and Incredible Hulk number 181. So first appearance of Punisher, first appearance of Wolverine. Uh, these two origin first appearances uh, seem to be what everyone wants. I mean, you guys, well, maybe the Punisher is slowed, but it's still valuable. L- look at Hulk 181 is the book that people want 35 years later. The demand for this has literally never decreased. We talk again on the show all the time. There are people who are trying to turn you in one direction or the other, and they're doing it weekly, twice a week, three times a week. Stay with the keys. I'm going to tell you, I had a buddy, he got, he got convention sketches, headshots, bus shots, and by the end of a decade, he had a sketchbook full of headshots and bus shots, and then instead of buying interior pages that were printed, that were part of comic books, he had these personal commissions, draw me Thor, draw me Superman, draw me Batman, draw me Poison Ivy, and he found that he should have, he said it out loud, I should have not gotten all of these commissions and bought a couple of real good interior pages they're one of ones they're going to increase in value i know this for a fact and that that is absolutely what has occurred and and these recent uh just beware of the recent the websites the apps that are telling you to buy some new hot comic every week there is no new hot comic every week but they want to get your uh subscription base they want to get your clicks because they're trying to sell their companies to investors, beware. You can't have something like this all the time. Buy a key instead. Save up for that key appearance of Wolverine. Um, I know I am. I'm, 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 I'm looking for a, a nice new copy to add to the collection. But the keys, the keys, the keys of the heroes. Villains are much t- tougher to maintain their value. But heroes, again, right here, Punisher, Wolverine. Just in a little aside, because I love you, I care for you, and I want to point you in the right direction. Beware all of the scammers. This guy says, uh, new series. Excalibur is red hot. Fans love it. We've sold out of the first four issues to date. Uh, Hawk and Dove is gaining support each and every issue. Watch showcase number 75 as it increases in price. That's the first appearance of Hawk and Dove. 
He says, uh, Cosmic Odyssey, which was by Jim Starlin and, and Mike Mignola, was a big hit here. Uh, he says, Storylines. Marvel's Inferno is doing well as far as storylines are concerned, although some of the higher price crossovers, Power Pack at one fifty at a buck fifty, are being skipped by the more mainline uh, for the more mainline titles such as X Men. Uh, he talks about Daredevil with Typhoid Mary is is doing well, and then the anniversary issues, the Milestones Thor four hundred, Cap three fifty, Avengers three hundred, Promise uh, to tie up long running plot plot holes. He says. Uh, there is an equal amount of interest in DC's upcoming invasion because Todd McFarlane on the, the amazing Spider-Man artist will be doing the art on that main title. So again, some of these, they're all kind of sharing with you very similar stories, very similar of, of what's going on in their stores during this period of 1988. Just a couple of uh, tidbits on these marker reports as we are on page 10, and there's generally two reports on each and every Page, so we're about 20 reports in Howard Harris of Comics and Records Unlimited in San Antonio, Texas. He writes, the dog of the year, the dog of the year award goes to DC Comics and their Action Comics Weekly. Uh, depending on what Marvel does to Marvel Comics Presents, they could end up sharing this dubious honor. So again, these weekly, bi-weekly comics were scaring retailers. They weren't meeting with the results uh, that, that they were hoping for at the time. Uh, a gentleman named Jerry Bartlett, J- Jerry Barletta from Best American Comics. You guys, some of this is in such small type. Okay, I got the extra, I got the extra zoom lenses on reading uh, these very small uh, typewritten, uh, the, 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 these, the, 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 just the, the typeface is so small on these marker reports. Uh, says, uh, Inferno looks to be Red Hot, the mutant star in this project is already selling really well with the anticipated early crossovers in high demand. Bolstered by villains Mr. Sinister uh, and and uh, Sin with the Madeline character unfolding, the Phoenix situation will come to a head and this is an excellent incentive to follow the story. Uh, he, he goes down to say that uh, Marvel's position overall is very strong and looks to continue their heat into the winter. Uh, this, again, I, I read to you from Howard Harris, San Antonio, saying the dog of the year is actually comics weekly. Now, Jerry Barletta from Best American Comics says, Action Comics Weekly is the bomb of the year. The structure, the price, and the characters do not work. The, the book has got to be made bi-monthly or go to monthly status. Weekly is just not working at all. He says, uh, keep turning here as we're going to kind of round the corner on these marker reports because what are you getting again and again and again? X-Men is hot. X-Men is hot. X-Men is, this is the Mark Silvestri, bottom line. This is the Mark Silvestri era of the X-Men. Okay, this is the Mark Silvestri era. Uh, it, it, I, I was there. Uh, Mark's art was just a notch above anything any had been, anybody had been doing uh, you know, since, since Byrne, honestly, uh, since, since Paul Smith's one single year. Uh, after a diet of, of I, I always felt like John Romita Jr. was miscast on this book. I think John Romita Jr. is great with a capital G-R-E-A-T on the street-level heroes, whether it's Punisher, Daredevil, or Spider-Man. I did not see uh, basically the marriage of him and the X-Men, but the X-Men books when Silvestri came on, fans freaked out. 
And here, everyone is saying, I mean, that's their bread and butter. This is the book that continues to chart number one. Uh, So I'm going to keep looking through here. Bill Townsend and Tom Caulfield from Electric City Comics in (laughs) Schenectady. Is that Schenectady? Schenectady. I don't know. I'm butchering this. New York. Okay. It's a 518 area code. He says, new issues. We don't think anyone will disagree with us when we say that Marvel is back in the driver's seat when it comes to new comics. Their policy of relying on proven characters to create new books is producing hit after hit. Punisher, Punisher War Journal, Wolverine, Excalibur. They are also turning once mediocre books such as Iron Man and Captain America into exciting books with exciting sales. He said, McFarlane on Spider-Man is selling extremely well for us. He said, uh, and now without McFarlane on the Hulk, it is selling much better than when he drew it and in several years past. So so definitely Hulk is on the upswing. We're about to get to the Dale Keown period here uh, as, as, as he goes over. Uh, and he look, he says, another disappointment for us is Marvel Comics Presents. It is not the flop per se that Action Comics Weekly is, but it is selling much lower quantities than expected. Uh, he then drops down and says, we've just learned that Action Comics Weekly is going to return to a monthly schedule and once again focus on Superman. That is great news. The weekly experimental, uh, the weekly experimental for- format was a failure. We are glad to see it go. So again, your retailers, man, they're just, it's exciting to see what was working, what wasn't working, and how they share what was working and what wasn't working with the rest of us back then. I would buy these car- these these magazines to... Uh, Again, to to study them. And so, you know, you're going to hear again and again and again, X-Men, Batman, X-Men, Batman, X-Men, Batman. Look, what the focus is for Marvel going into 2024, so much so that they have shifted editorial reins, giving giving the X-Men to Tom Brevoort, who has had the Avengers line of titles, while the Avengers have been the focus of Marvel Entertainment at large for the last two decades. They are moving Tom over to the X-Men as a statement. It's a statement that we are given... Um, our most tenured, most important editorial, uh, you know, curator, editor, we're giving him uh, X-Men because we want the X-Men to be back on top. And the X-Men is that much of a value to us. So again, you read in all these different marker reports, it's X-Men, it's Batman. And uh, this gentleman, Alan and Marcia, Giro from all about books and comics in Phoenix, Arizona. They say <clears throat> DC should be congratulated on the promotion and sales of Batman the Cult. It is a gorgeous comic and a fantastic seller. The 50th anniversary coming up with a Batman movie uh, slated for summer of 1989 will release only more Batman books, hopefully with the quality of Killing Joke and the Cult, and they should do very, very well. So, you know, rah rah. Comics were selling in 1988. Comics were really doing well for retailers. They have way more uh, positives to share with us than they, than they have negatives. And uh, when we get to Stephen Richter and Bart Bush of Planet Comics uh, in Norman, Oklahoma, they write that the sales trends of early comic books have continued through August and September. Marvel and DC continue to dominate the shelves with little opposition from the independents. He says, doing well. The major mutants continue to sell the best for Marvel. The mutant books and the Punisher are leading the charge. Uh, he, uh, he goes down and says, 
Uh, look for Burns West Coast Avengers, the Havoc Wolverine miniseries, She-Hulk and Moon Knight to join the Punisher on Marvel's best-selling list soon. He said DC has its share of popular titles, including JLI and Green Arrow. The success of V for Vendetta, the cult, and other miniseries, while not surprising, is not on the higher level that we expected. He says DC continues to produce enjoyable, uh, steady-selling series. Uh, he says, as we said earlier, each of the major independents have at least one good seller. Aliens from Dark Horse, Black Kiss. Uh, he said, Aliens is selling 75% of X-Men levels for us, and we could have sold even more if we have gotten hold of more copies. Uh, he goes, moderate sellers for Marvel are Iron Man, Captain America, and other mid-level uh, comics. They are steady. Uh, DC Comics, steady for them is Doc Savage, Swamp, Th- Swamp Thing. Power the Atom. Uh, so, so, oh, oh, selling poorly. While almost everything Marvel co- t- Marvel Comics touches turns to gold, there are at least several new books from the House of Ideas that are not catching on. Speedball, Wolfpack, many of the recent trade paperbacks and graphic graphic novels, The Thing, Power Pack, Someplace Strange, are very poorly received. Okay, so we are almost to the end of these uh, these market reports from 1988, giving you a great glimpse of. Of, of all that was working and, and all that was not working again in 1988. Moving on towards some of these last installments, Brian Hicks from Collector's Choice in Cleveland, Tennessee. It says Cleveland-Knoxville, Tennessee. He has two stores uh, or two locations. He says uh, Marvel is on a roll. That is the best way to put it. Then down here with DC, he says, like any great champion, DC is having a bit of a slump. So, you know, Marvel has surged that that dark night dark night and watchman in 1986 did more for dc alan moore dave gibbons and the amazing frank miller with not only dark night but year one there's a reason everyone really celebrates 1986 but the most important thing is it really and john byrne launching superman uh put a giant just uh just gave them a, a rocket boost to dc comics and put them in another stratosphere altogether uh, it's right here that we're, li- we're reading from Tom Matavi, Comics, Cards, and Collectibles in Canton, Ohio. And he reads, Marvel sales are still hot. They now carry a substantially higher portion of the market than they did six to eight months ago, but, but not as massive as their biggest years of years past. Excalibur is a red hot comic book. It has tons of action, but there's a good feeling to the book. He says, uh, X titles all sell well, and sales of the flagship mutant book X Men took off as soon as it was put on a bi weekly schedule. He says, Punisher is still hot. War Journal is even selling to non Punisher fans. He says, Something to watch. The new mutants' sales are dropping. They need better art on this comic before this trend is irreversible. See, I tell you guys all the time about art and artists. And one thing we've heard, you've heard art mentioned much more. Uh, that people were more comfortable talking about art. You've heard about the art in all of these different comics. Okay, you've heard different names. And, and talking about the pictures and the illustrations and what people connect with the most. And again, the X-Men is being produced at the top level right now with Mark Silvestri. The X-Men is the number one comic book. You're going to see that when we revisit the broader sales of what was selling best in 1988 when we, re- when we revisit comic books in our next installment. But the bottom line is that uh, 
Comic books were really on an upswing, but X-Men and Batman are the two names you heard all over the place and new talent, new talent. Uh, Todd McFarlane, who had been around at DC Comics since 1985, but was suddenly turning heads, getting onto Spider-Man. Mark Silvestri is is at the top. X-Men is at the top in all of these lists. But there's also some cautionary tales. I mean, Excalibur and Punisher are nowhere near what they used to be. You know, uh, to, to quote the immortal Don Henley, time passes, things change. Sales trends don't always stay uh, with the times. And I do remember when Punisher was arguably the number two's best-selling comic book and 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 uh you know iconic character for marvel and nowadays I, I i don't know if i would put punisher in the top 10 but there was a time that light burned so bright batman is i've told you guys many times it's not you it's batman it's everyone on batman jim apero on batman was killing it norm breifogel on batman killed it jim starlin barry uh bernie wrightson killed it uh and and and, and batman had been really going in the in the different direction i would encourage you search batman uh in my back issues because i have chronicled i've even given you numbers from the late 70s the early 80s when batman titles were losing going from seven titles to three titles to two titles they were canceling batman because interest in batman had waned so uh just it it it, it noticeably just people had moved on they were into the team books x-men legion of superheroes team titans but we are now in 1988 seeing the post-Dark Knight boom as Killing Joke and Batman the Cult and Death in the Family. And one year from the, the, the very next summer from this is when the Legend of the Dark Knight, which starts the crazy multi-cover you know, phenomenon that I have talked about so often on here. So, But 1988, really, new names, McFarlane, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld. Uh, obviously, they don't say his name enough because they just keep saying X-Men, X-Men, X-Men. That, that, that is the brand bi-weekly spinoffs excalibur they they they, they know that they, they told you these retailers are telling you the reason that wolverine was disappointing them was because of the art they didn't say the story they said the art so we are in a comic book business it's about pictures i make pictures i make stories with pictures but i am first and foremost a picture person and so the com- again without pictures comics or novels and we we just cannot stress that enough here at the home base of our observations but we're going to revisit and get you the best-selling comics, the actual best-selling comics of 1988 when we swing back around in the next, in part two of our uh, Decades 1988 focus. And how we're going to tie it off today is going back to the music and, and Van Halen and Sammy Hagar saying, doesn't David Lee Roth know that we were, you know, we outperformed him? And, and certainly he did a bunch of albums and they all were really good and they were critically acclaimed. But if you go into the deep dive of, uh, of 1988, uh, it is not as Sammy Hagar has, 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 uh, has claimed. In fact, uh, according to, and again, you, the receipts are so important. These receipts, all these retailers, 50 retail reports in this Overstreet magazine tell you exactly what was happening at the time. I've had somebody who actually did tell me that the New Mutants, I never turned the new mutants around because it was selling so well there you you have it right there the the new mutant unless something changed artistically hello uh that book was going to have an irreversible course i would be on that that when the next round of market reports are being written one year later i am on that book i am on new mutants i have taken the challenge but uh so so when we go to van halen albums given that sammy hagar is like hey David Lee Roth just won't accept. Well, 
That's not a true statement, but we, and we can fact check it. Uh, Van Halen's debut album, 1978, Van Halen sold nearly 12 million copies, 11,858,000. This is uh, provided by a website that is giving me Van Halen's album sales, bestsellingalbums.org. Okay, the number two best-selling Van Halen album of all time is also David Lee Roth. So the best-selling album with David Lee Roth as the front man, Van Halen, 1978, 11,858,000. Number two is 1984 with 11,777,000. Okay, so the top two Van Halen songs, Van Halen albums of all time are fronted by David Lee Roth. Number three is Sammy Hagar's first album, 5150, which is fantastic. Why can't this be love? Uh, you know, uh, j- just just amazing album, G- great great debut album uh, for for Sammy for Sammy Hagar. Uh, but that sold six point eight million copies, six million eight hundred and ninety six thousand copies. Nowhere near. I mean, you are you are looking. You you are almost five million separating you and 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 nineteen eighty four, and certainly the same differential, if not more, for their debut album, Van Halen. What is the number fourth best album? Is Van Halen 2, released in 1979. It sold 5,369,000. Then number five is Van Halen, The Best Of, their greatest hits album with, Van, with Dave, David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar fronting the band. So David Lee Roth is on four of the top five best-selling Van Halen albums of all time. He has the number one, two, four, and five slots. And Sammy Hagar can sit in the third slot. I loved, I loved Van Hagar. I bought all those albums. And in fact, OU812, their 1988 album, Van Halen's 1988 album, maybe my favorite of the Hagar albums. Uh, get, Something Started is such a killer, killer tune. OU812 uh, sold 4,133,000 copies. Uh, Diver Down, again, 1982's Diver Down with Van Halen sold just under that, just under that by 10,000 copies. So so, so again, we look at this stuff and, and again, comic books doesn't have the video recordings and, and maybe the charts as in-depth as, as, as other uh, businesses. We don't have the recorded footage like they do the interviews. And, and, the, and the documentary footage from when they're filming and all the different coverage. But we have these in, incredibly, incredibly insightful reports of what was going on, what was emerging, and market trends at the time. And so again, just wanted to fact check and then pivot, uh, a, a, as my good buddy uh, Ross from Prince would have said, pivot, uh, as, as they were you know, moving that, that, that couch up those stairs. Uh, we have the top selling albums of 1988 and if you were around boy uh will these resonate you will you will be brought back immediately to the incredible success of uh the billboard top albums of 1988 none other than mr george michaels and his uh break off from when his first solo album faith uh this uh this topped the year at one point uh, being number one for 12 non-consecutive weekends. It just kept coming back, just kept coming back. The year, uh, the, the year t- started with, uh, with, with, with Dirty Dancing, that, that soundtrack, Hot in the Heels of, of 1987's big summer movie with Patrick Swayze. Uh, Dirty Dancing 
was for the first two weeks of the year. Then George Michael blows on. And then if you remember Tiffany, and I think we're alone now, she, she is number one for two weeks in January. George comes roaring back and the entire month of February into March, George Michaels is number one. Then because of the success of all the different tracks, there were so many tracks on Dirty Dancing. Then it goes on a consecutive, following George's five months at number one, and he was already number one for a week prior to Tiffany taking two weeks. So he's had six, six weeks at number one in 1988. Then Dirty Dancing comes roaring back and spends one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. From March to May, Dirty Dancing is the best-selling album uh, on, on Billboard's top charts. Then George roars back, and for one, two, three, four, five, six more. So now he's at 12 weeks at number one, George Michael, back with Faith. Uh, I, mean, uh, all of, I, mean, I mean, all of those crazy, amazing hits. Uh, I Want Your Sex, One More Try, Father Figure, uh, the, 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 the title song faith uh then ou812 by van halen comes out in june and is the number one album for four consecutive weeks def leppard then follows up they are number one for two weeks in july uh guns and roses appetite for destruction we are just getting they we will hear more from them in 1989 but that launches at number one in august 6th uh def leppard comes back on august 13th steve winwood gets one shot August 20th, he's number one. Tracy Chapman, she, she gets one shot. We are back with Def Leppard for another three consecutive weeks. Guns N' Roses weighs in for another three consecutive weeks. We are just bouncing all around. Bon Jovi releases their New Jersey album, and they are on top the entire month of October. U2 puts out their, their Rattle & Hum concert album, and they dominate for seven weeks at number one. And then an, an amazing R&B uh, singer, amazing voice. Anita Baker closes out December 24th, December 31st. She is number one. But the best-selling album of 1988 is George Michael's, followed by the Dirty, Dance, the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. And then what kind of appears to me to be uh, somewhere between Def Leppard and, and U2 uh, in terms, uh, and Van Halen right, right in there. So those are your best-selling albums. Uh, it, 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 it's, uh, it's an exciting time for music. A lot of metal. Guns N' Roses cranked it up, made it harder, made it nastier. We all just were blown away by Axel, Axel Rose and Slash. And that appetite for destruction uh, was, I don't know about you, but it was blasting in my car. And could you also hear me blasting George Michaels? I did. I didn't much blast the Dirty Dancing, Dirty Dancing soundtrack. I remember how incredibly popular it was, but I wasn't really tremendously that invested in it. But boy, was it popular. Boy, was it successful. But so many great albums. The Van Halen album, Def Leppard, uh, Guns N' Roses, George Michaels certainly exploded to be like the, the threatened Michael Jackson for the king of pop, at least for that year. He absolutely dominated. So that, that is your musical snapshot. And if you were a kid who was watching MTV music videos like I was, because in 1988, I am about to be uh, 21 years old. Okay, so, so, so I am not... 20, uh, I am not 21 till October of 1988, but that entire, uh, most of 88, I'm 20, I'm young, I'm, 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 I've been in comics for a few years, I am so excited. By the time you're reading about these Hawk and Dove reports in 1988, I am already, by the time you're reading about these reports, I have been hired by Marvel and am drawing X-Factor and X-Men 
and the Atlantis attacks annuals for the following summer. So it's a really exciting time for me. I remember it extremely well. The music that I was listening to, the videos that I was watching at the time while I was making those pages, while you were maybe in grade school, in high school, in junior high, maybe starting out your own career, this is the music that we were rocking out to. These were the acts that dominated. And, and that is our music and our comic book reports for 1988 in part two of our 1988 uh, look back. We're going to cover movies, we're going to cover television, and then we'll go back and give you the top selling individual comic books that dominated. And, and again, get ready. You're, <laughs> they're going to be familiar. Uh, uh, there's an X in, 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 in these titles. So a little clue. Uh, some of these top titles will most certainly have an X in them. Again, X-Men was dominating. You heard that one guy say for the 10th straight year in his store, X-Men was the top best seller. And DC was learning to lean in all things Batman to keep pace with what was going on over at Marvel, who had clearly found a number of successful formulas at this time. This is, and again, 1988 is prior to Venom. It is prior to Cable. It is prior to Deadpool. There are new you know, characters coming that are going to redefine the business, uh, what, what you call pull focus and, 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 and shift. And, uh, and certainly, honestly, and, and another older Marvel character is about to burn up the charts literally in Ghost Rider when they revamp him. Uh, uh, one year from this market report, but this is a snapshot in time of what was going on in 1988. No, we don't have the footage. We don't have the documentary reels. We don't have as many images because we, we weren't covering our business as intensely as all these other businesses in the entertainment sector were, but we have these reports. We have these receipts that we can share with you, and I'm so happy to do that. So look forward to uh, part two of our decades era, 1988, uh, later this week. Thank you, as always, so much for listening to Rob Observations. I cannot begin to express to you uh, the gratitude that I have that you tune in each and every year. We are at the highest we have ever charted. We have stayed number one throughout. We are we are we are higher than we have ever been uh, on on the podcast charts. And and my my son flew in. Uh, he he actually got engaged this last weekend. It was fantastic. He he, he uh, had had a lot going on. He'd been planning this for. For two months, all this misdirection. Uh, my 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 son's fiance, uh, the beautiful Haley. She was she was misdirected by her friends who pinned themselves in other states so that she would not know that they were here in California. They took pictures of themselves in gear at at their uh, you know different college alma maters or the games that they were watching or attending. They all such wild misdirection. That is just a glimpse of all the planning that went into this. That my son had put into all summer. Super happy for you. Congratulations, Luke. We were out to dinner and we were, you know, we were, we were, uh, you know, talking over all, all, all different manner of different topics as we, as we do. Uh, my, my son is, uh, is, is, is very curious, very much like his father, very curious young man, lots of questions. And so we were discussing, you know, the state of, 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 of pop culture. And, and, and as we were discussing this, my son says, Dad, you know, the podcast model is crashing. The podcast model is crashing, these different podcast carriers. And I said, no, Luke, I'm aware. I follow the news. But I'm going to tell you, son, uh, your pop's show, we are, we are literally uh, doubling. We have doubled since January. And, and each, each kind of quarter, we are doubling. And that is because of you, the word of mouth. You guys are carrying this show, putting it out. Um, I will go through these market reports and it, and it can get kind of dull, but the information is true. It, 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 this podcast is intended now more than anything to be a time capsule 
of what was going on in the world of comics when our cameras were turned off and the recorders weren't recording. And, and yet these, these magazines, these interviews, I love to share them. Thank you for your support. Like I said, our numbers in, in a time where it seems as if podcasts have, have, uh, have peaked, we are uh, carrying through. We are doing great. Uh, it, 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 it is so much fun to bring this show to you, to know that you are enjoying it and enjoying all the different information that we are able to give you here at the show. Thank you. I read your reviews. Uh, each and every week at the at the end of, of uh, each and every episode at the end of each and every uh, show, and I am so excited to give you this one. This bottom line, I'll take five stars anytime you want to give me five stars. And a good gentleman named Citizen Spam, uh, excuse me, Citizen Spam, Citizen Spam reached out. He gave us five stars. The name of his review is Good Podcast. The review is two words. I want to listen. I want to read these two words. This very generous review by Citizen Spam says, good podcast, gives us five stars. We appreciate it so much. And it just says, good times. Good times. Observations, good podcast, good times, five stars. Guess what? Citizen Spam, you're my buddy. I appreciate this. Thank you so much for leaving this review so that I could read this on the air. Your support, when you get down to your keyboard and type those reviews they mean the world to us and they help us stand out they help us uh, keep growing and and i am so excited that the audience and the listening base continues to expand thank you for the enthusiasm thank you for reaching out and sharing it with me one of the ways that you can reach me i'm i'm uh i'll give you a several different ra- ways on 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 social media that i love to interact with you i am on twitter i am at robert Leifeld on twitter Got the full name, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. I've got that pesky blue check that comes and goes. Currently, it's there. It tells you I am legit. That is really me that you're talking to. Reach out. Talk to me on Twitter. I I read your responses, your DMs, your messages. I appreciate the interaction so much. Thank you. I try and repost all the cool stuff that you guys share with me. Thank you for following me on Twitter, at Robert Liefeld. I I, I use Twitter and Instagram to promote my latest work, Deadpool Batterblood. Number three is in stores now. Uh, one, two, and three have been our summer release, June, July, August. In 17 days from this recording, this is September 4th as I am recording this, you are getting Deadpool Batterblood number four, which I think is the finest of all of the chapters. It is the finest, maybe the pinnacle. Uh, I mean, issue five is great too, but boy, issue four, I, I really had a fire. Um, I, I Again, I felt that spirit of Jack Kirby saying, Rob, make it more fun. Can you make it more fun? And I tried, and I hope that you will receive it. Deadpool Battleblood 3 sold out the day of all over the place. The reorder charts were, were, were blowing up at Marvel. They were blowing out of these books, selling through. I know many of the covers aren't, aren't available. Um, please try and get your copies early. I am pouring everything I can in this. It's got Deadpool. It's got Cable. It's got Wolverine. It's got Venom Pool. It's got Venom. It has so much more all new um, villains, heroes. So yes, am I pimping my ride? And is my ride Deadpool Batterblood number three? It is. It is in stores right now. Number four is hot on its heels. It will be here in 17 days. Do not miss out. I am so excited to get that to you. I will be showing you again on Twitter at Robert Liefeld uh, where you can you know, get excited showing you clips and covers and, and bits from the book to, to entice you. I also am doing the same over on Instagram, which is my kind of video and, and, and picture diary of my life, what I'm eating, who I'm hanging out with, uh, the events I'm going to, like my son's engagement party, the comics I'm drawing. Uh, I'm, I'm headed to CGC this week to sign those books, those thousands of comics that you sent in 
for me. There's a custom label. I'm so excited. We will definitely um, offer this again within the next like 10 months as the Deadpool 3 movie, uh, you know, gets into the clear. And some of you have said, you know, you, you just needed to wait. Uh, the, 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 uh, honestly, the, the, the cost of CGC and grading, it, it is not a cheap endeavor. So uh, we're going to do this again uh, next year. But, but th- this is the time I'll be leaving to go to Florida and sign those books for you. And I cannot wait to get there. And I will have footage of that on my Instagram. On Instagram, I am at Rob Liefeld, at Rob Liefeld. I got my full name. Thanks to my wife. She got me on there early. Rob Liefeld, blue check, still me, Le- legit. I love reading your messages, your, your, your DMs, your comments, your responses. Thank you so much for following me and interacting with me on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. Please join our Facebook group, it's a group, it's on Facebook, it's moderated and administrated by myself and a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A, you will know it's him, uh, you will know you're at the right place when you see his name and you see my name because that is the group that we have curated, we continue so many of the conversations that we start here over there, um, answering questions, interacting with each other uh, in, in a much more, uh, I think, in-depth manner, we would love to see you there, uh, check it out, Rob Liefeld. Marvel, Extreme, and Beyond. We would love to welcome you into the fold, into the family. Uh, we have art contests. Terry has a weekly art contest that he runs and manages with the polls and the voting. Uh, we have all sorts of art, great artists that are sharing uh, their work over there. Please, I, 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 I uh, encourage you to be part of our Facebook group, Rob Liefeld, Marvel, and Extreme, Marvel, Extreme, and Beyond. Look it up. Uh, we look forward to seeing you there. I am so excited to see you there. Again, uh, Deadpool Batter Blood coming out, CGC signing coming up, super busy, got su- a ton of other uh, uh, you know, exciting projects in the work. I will be at New York Comic Con. I have only gone out of California once in the last 16 months. I'll be doing so again, going back to New York Comic Con. Can't wait to see you. The East Coast vibes, the fans are so incredible. Um, the weather is always cooperating. October is beautiful uh, in New York City. I hope to see you there. I have a... Uh, I have a VIP package at robliefeldcreations.com, robliefeldcreations.com, robliefeldcreations.com. We we sell the VIP package. You get exclusives. You get a number of exclusives. You get front-of-the-line access. Uh, yes, I will sign the items that you have with you as well. That's the place where we get it done. CGC will obviously be on site if you want to go that route. Very excited to see you at New York Comic Con. Go on my website, robliefeldcreations.com. And you'll see the VIP New York Comic Con offer right there. I encourage you to take advantage of it because you're going to get cool books, cool exclusives uh, at a at a discount price via this package. And you're going to get to cut the line, be in the front of the line group. And 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 honestly, that's what people have told me that they value the most. Hey, I hope as we go into the fall here, not officially but unofficially into the fall uh, in 2023, that you are doing well, that your mental, your emotional, your physical, and your spiritual health are exactly where. They need to be, if you need to take a break, get off the treadmill. I hope you have done that and, and get off the grind. Uh, lean back on that recliner, on that couch. Watch a great streaming show, a great movie, one of those movies that you've been really wanting to watch. I did that this last weekend. I've been doing it. I've been catching up on my film catalog ever since I was able to put Deadpool, Batter, Blood to rest. I have been completely embracing and watching all of these um, cool movies, watching shows. Lioness, cannot recommend Lioness more highly, I think it's Taylor Sheridan of Yellowstone of Sicario. I think it is his, is his very finest work. It is fantastic. Zoe Zaldana, um, Nicole Kidman, Morgan Freeman, and so many more. What a kick-ass, absolute amazing show. Loving, loving Lioness. It is absolutely the most, wait for it, macho, macho 
it's, it's a macho show. It's a macho show is, 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 is how you need to receive that. Okay. Uh, if you've never heard me say that before, <laughs> you got some investigating to do. Where does that come from? There are macho episodes of Rob Observations. But anyway, take a break, have a great meal, have pizza, have, uh, for whatever reason, I had so many meatballs. This, everywhere we went, people were serving me the most delicious meatballs. Um, but pizza, meatballs, lasagna, salmon, Chilean sea bass. Okay, come on. Tacos, burritos. You guys, go get some good food. Cheat meals exist for a reason. Have a great dessert. They are opening ice cream places all over me. I don't know how I'm going to maintain my girlish figure. Uh, boy, that ice cream is just everywhere. And and uh, so look, we indulge. I practice what I preach. I get out. I get I get a breath of fresh air. I see art that I want to see. I I, invo- I I interact with my friends and my family, and I take a break. And, uh, and of course I'm having a Reese's peanut butter, big cup, and I'm having it cold in the refrigerator, not melty. Don't have it melty. Okay. Recently the cereal, the cocoa puffs, they're everywhere. It's not my favorite. I like the salty inside. I like, I like the chips. I like the pretzels <laughs> anyway. Uh, and when I go to New York, man, they still have that pop-up giant mega size, big cup, stuff it yourself. That's that may be where I'll have to have a signing because that's where you're going to have to reach me all day long. Let's hear it for the Reese's Big Cup and the happiness that it gives me 90 seconds every single day. Hey, I am rooting for you. I am hoping that you are doing well. Hang in there. You got a friend in me. We're rooting you on. Please come back. I mean, we have a part two of this to do. Please come back around. Circle back. I will be here. I will be waiting. We will certainly, most definitely, and inevitably talk again real soon.